Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Yes, there are the stressful ones too. So I just look at motivation, quite frankly, because any deal can be structured on lease purchase or owner financing. Every deal can, except for the person that says, I need all my money now. I got to go buy a house for my family. Best ever listeners, I'm so excited to share today's sponsor with you. It's Eastern Union Funding and Arbor Realty Trust. If you're in the multifamily space, you likely recognize these names, but have you used them? Uh, I'm guessing if you haven't, then you probably know someone who has. I can tell you personally, we have used uh, Mark Belsky. He is the point person at Eastern Union Funding as a partner with us, and he has helped us secure debt uh, for actually a deal we closed on this month. And we've worked with him. Um, in addition, my clients, my program, my consulting program have worked with him to successfully close on deals. When we were starting out, Ashcroft was starting out, we had somewhat of a track record, but we weren't fully as established with our investor network. I went to him and we secured some equity, $500,000 in equity to fund one of our deals. While he works with more institutional partners, you know, he's brought $200 million in equity over the last 12 months. He was able to help us out there and we built a relationship with him and Eastern Union Funding ever since. So if you need equity for your deal, and you have a track record, then he's your point person. His number is 212-897-9875. If you need debt, then he partners up with Arbor on a lot of transactions. So if you're a multifamily borrower who wants agency or bridge debt, then that's the team to work with. Uh, we have worked with their team, both Eastern Union and Arbor, on deals and People who have purchased our deals, purchased deals from us, have used Arbor, as well as my clients in my consulting program, they've used it. So this is a recommendation that comes from firsthand experience. And the last thing I'll say about uh, working with Mark Belsky at Eastern Union is that if you need a loan guarantor but don't have that track record quite yet, then Mark can look at what you've the deal you've got and assuming it checks out, he can make introductions to people he knows as potential loan guarantors for your deal. So debt, equity, and potentially loan guarantors. 
uh, all you need. Well, you need to find a deal, obviously. Um, but besides that, you know, the other main components of the deal they can help you out with. So talk to Mark Belsky. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com and his phone number 212-897-9875. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff. And first off, hope you're having a best ever weekend because today is Saturday. It's Situation Saturday where we're going to talk about a specific situation. And if you come across it, then you'll know how to handle it. And we're going to be talking about the situation of, well, you don't want to use banks and you want to buy on terms. So we brought back Chris Prefontaine to discuss that with us. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing awesome. Good to be back, Joe, as always. Yeah, nice to have you back. And if you recognize Chris, then that's because you're loyal. Best ever listener episode 1,128, how to purchase four to 10 properties per month with lease options. Chris is the founder of Smart Real Estate Coach and also the host of Smart Real Estate Coach podcast based in Newport, Rhode Island. So with that being said, Chris, Talk to us about a deal that you've recently done on terms, and then we'll go from there. I've got one on top of my brain here that we did actually with a student, 10-acre parcel of land. The guy was actually debt-free, and the reason I want to use this one as an example, Joe, is a lot of people hear terms, right? And they say, well, why the heck would a seller do that? Or they must be desperate, or you get all those kinds of comments. This guy was actually not desperate whatsoever other than the fact that he had no debt, other than the fact that he wanted to leave the area and get to a holiday. It was during a fall season. Get to a holiday several hours away on a plane to be with his kids. So he was trying to sell his property, gorgeous property, at five ninety nine. dropped it to around four ninety nine, and then dropped it even lower. I think we ended up buying it for somewhere around four twenty nine. We structured zero money down. We bought the property by making payments $1,540 a month, principal only. We actually got a two-year term, which is against what we usually do. We usually go longer, but we got a two-year term. And then we turned around and sold that property. And I'm giving you rough numbers, but we turned around and sold that property for $499 on the same two-year terms, rent to own, keeping in mind we got the massive principal pay down every single month. Nice little payday up front when we took the tenant buyer in. And of course, a nice monthly spread. I think our intake on the paying the loan at fifteen forty, our intake was around twenty three hundred. So great little deal. I think without doing the math, it's, there's about a hundred, hundred and twenty grand in that deal. Hmm. So you bought it at four twenty nine. You sold it for four ninety nine. So there's seventy thousand right there. And then the thirty thousand dollars that you're referring to, rough math, that makes it a, a hundred. Is that on the spread of what you pay? the seller and what the least owned person pays you plus the down payment they paid initially to get in the deal? Well, you got two that we didn't quantify. So yeah, you got the spread to sell, right? Just the markup. And then in principle pay down over 24 months, you got just under 40 grand. And then on the spread itself, which is the difference between the 23 and the 1540, you got about 760 bucks. Now out of that comes a little bit of insurance. So call it 600 even mm-hmm. over two years, $600 a month times two years. So that's a decent one too. I think that's 14, 15 ish grand. So you got 40, 15, and then the markup on the house. Mm-hmm. When you look at deals, what are some red flags or perhaps green flags, I should say, where it's like, oh man, this is perfect for a lease option? We look at motivation. So it's a good question. Any deal is good with the right 
motivation. And again, not necessarily in debt or anything, just the right motivation. I got to leave the state. I got a job. I got to leave. I want to be with family. Anything that says I got to leave at a certain date. And then of course, yes, there are the stressful ones too. So I just look at motivation, quite frankly, because any deal can be structured on lease purchase or owner financing. Every deal can, except for the person that says, I need all my money now. I got to go buy a house for my family. That's the only person we can't help. Every other deal we can help. When you're doing a deal and you are structuring the lease option, what are some initial objections that they might have? Need their cash now. Every for sale by owner or expired listing we speak with, of course, says, no, I'd rather have my cash now, to which we say, yeah, I get it. 99% of the people we talk to want their cash now, but reality is that a lot of the buyers aren't qualifying right now, and we go through the whole process with them. So the biggest objection is I'd rather have my cash now. So what do you say to that? I plant a little, for lack of a better word, fair. We tell them, and depending on what market you're in, the statistics say nationally that somewhere between 50 and 80% of the buyers today, if they walked in as is, cannot qualify for the loan, whether that's they have great credit and they need seasoning or whether that's they don't have enough down or they have crappy credit. So we explain that to them. So that puts a little, oh man, maybe I won't sell it by the date I got to get out of here. So that one thing. The second thing is they're usually netting more cash out with us. They're not paying a realtor. They're not dealing with perhaps pull back on home inspections because we do our own unless, unbeknownst to us, unless something happens, we're usually not doing an inspection. So it's usually more net out, less hassle for them. And once we get them through that, again, as long as they don't need today the money, we can usually work them around, sticking around and get more money with us. And then the challenge for you is to find someone to then do the lease option. Otherwise, if you don't, then you're stuck paying the monthly payments to the seller. Typically, with very few exceptions, all our deals are written contingent upon us finding a buyer. We usually get 90 days to do that. Some don't care and let us take our time. Some want a little less. Some are such good deals. We do just go ahead and commit to it and pay the payment if we're getting a really sweet deal. We don't want to milk it and lose the deal over getting greedy over one or two payments. So it just depends. But most, especially if you're new, you wouldn't take it on. You'd wait till you found your buyer. Okay. How do you find the buyer? Believe it or not, the buyer is the easy piece because people are looking for terms and a lot of these buyers think they gave up. They threw their arms up thinking they can't get a house. So we put it on 20, 21 different portals, but it starts with this simple things like the new marketplace on Facebook, Craigslist, rent links, just very simple sites like that, that we can put rent on, we can do for sale, but we're driving all of them to rent to own. What's that conversation sound like? My son is the buyer specialist, but basically when he brings the person through the system, they might start with a phone call, but 80% of those, despite what your ad says, 80% of them are renters and they're just calling again, regardless of what the ad says. So he's putting them through some automated videos that explain rent to own. So he's not talking to those 80% and we're just wasting all that time. We drive them to our website. They go through how does rent to own work, commonly asked questions, if they feel they're qualified after that, or if it's a fit they give him a call back because it tells them right in the video, you are going to have to have a down payment. This is about a buyer, not a renter. You are going to take responsibility for the home. You are going to do all the repairs. This is just like you own it. We're just a bridge for you to get you to your mortgage point. Any local or state laws that are different that you have to be aware of, or does this just apply everywhere? There are little quirks, like you can't do sandwiches in Texas. You can buy all day long on owner financing in subject to, and then turn around and do what you want, but you cannot be in the middle of a lease. You can't be in a sandwich. You can't lease option a house and rent on it. That's a no-no in Texas. There's a three-day right of rescission in, in North Carolina. That's just like doing a regular refi conventionally. 
things like that. Nothing that can't be worked around as long as you understand the nuances and, frankly, the laws in the States. Most of them are pretty basic. What's another deal, a recent one that you've done? I can actually talk about a sandwich since we keep talking about it. I threw a owner financing at you. We did a nice little deal where an older gentleman owned the house outright, so I preferred at the time to do it owner financing. He didn't want to give up the deed, so I said, fine, we'll structure a lease purchase. We put that under agreement. He couldn't sell it. Let me back up for one eighty nine nine. How much? One eighty nine nine. He could not sell it for that. And keep in mind, this gentleman's in his eighties. He's caring for an ailing wife and didn't have time. So I don't think he did it justice, which is why I was interested. So we bought the property on a lease purchase at, I think it was 177 and change. We structured an $850 per month payment. And we stipulated that 350 of that, because remember, there's no mortgage, 350 of that would go towards the principal. We structured a three-year term and we turned around and sold that for 225 on a three-year term. The seller, by the way, whenever I say three-year term, has an automatic built-in one year if I need it. So I always build in a buffer. So we sell for 225. We sold it for the monthly amount of 1276. So a small spread between 1276 and 850. Markup from the 189.9 to the 225, and then of course that 350 a month principal pay down. So here's what's cool, Joe. You're always doing three paydays because people I know investors are always like, I need cash today. A lot of them. Okay, so you get the upfront down payment, you get the monthly spread, so you get money over time, and then you get in the back end. It's a nice little way to build up back when you build up wealth. Does that down payment go towards the amount that they pay on the house when they buy it? Yeah, absolutely. So I think this one might have been somewhere around 10 or 12 grand, if I remember. I think it was 12. So yes, that's just like a standard purchase and sales agreement in that they're getting full credit for that. Got it. What's a typical issue or mistake that beginning investors make whenever structuring these deals? A <laughs> biggie is you get the deal and you're going, man, now I got to sell it. And we've done this. So it's putting a buyer in the home that doesn't have a big enough down payment. And here's how I would define that. In a couple of states that we operate in, you can at least take first month and last month or first month in a security from any renter if you want to be in the rental world. So if someone comes to us and they have what he basically is equivalent, say in this deal, a couple grand, that's equivalent to a renter doing that. That's what you want to stay away from because all you're getting is a renter. We want buyers that legitimately had a little burp in their credit or had a legitimate, I'm self-employed, I need some seasoning with my bank, some time. That's what we want. So they need to come up somewhere between 3 and 10% now and over time or you're making a major mistake. You're asking for a default there. Mm-hmm. You just got a renter. What happens when the default takes place? We've had plenty, obviously. So what happens is if they have to leave because they had a life event and that caused a financial event, and that would be a divorce, death, we've had them all, then what happens is they leave or you have to be victim. Sometimes it's amicable, sometimes it's not. I'd say 50-50. And then we put the home back on the market and we exercise our extra year option with the seller if we need it. And we just resell it to another rent-own buyer or... We had one recently where one of the spouses became handicapped and they left. So they forfeited the deposit and called us and said, well, I got to leave. It was a sad thing. They left. We didn't have a lot of time left. I was very friendly at this point with the seller. We had a good relationship. And I said, look, I'll just put on the open market and we'll sell it. So that's always an option. So we put on the open market, got him what he wanted. We made out great and we moved on. So you can sell it conventionally or you can resell it rent to own. What's an example of a deal where you lost money on this approach? I honestly haven't gotten hit on a lease purchase because when we get hit, and I'll give you an example of when I say we got hit, 
you can just extend the deal or resell it like I just said. So we had a deal early on. This would have been like 2013 where we had a seller sign a lead disclosure, your standard state lead disclosure. So we took that for face value. We put a tenant buyer in there. Tenant buyer had little kids. The wall started chipping. Long story short, we get a lead test and there's lead. I took it subject too. So this seller is long gone. In this case, it's not a sandwich lease where I have in my agreement, they have to handle it. So we did get stung. The right thing to do was to not force them to get out, but to fix it. And it was an expensive one. It was probably 30 grand or so. What we ended up doing because we owned it subject to is we just extended the term actually with the buyer. We didn't have to do anything on the seller end. And they happily did that. And we said we needed more time because of the lead repair. Now, if that was a sandwich, we have now built into our agreements that the seller is responsible for any lead, mold, asbestos. We've built that in over the years. So these agreements are super, super important when you get down these roads where you can create some headaches. We've created enough and we've fixed them with the future agreements. What else, if anything, should we talk about as it relates to lease options that we haven't talked about during this conversation? The biggest thing is I just explained some basic deals, but there's something I call payday four on these things because things change. Let me give you a few examples. I've done it. My students have done it. We're in a lease purchase agreement. The buyer calls, says, hey, good news. I know I have two years left, but I got my mortgage. We had this happen in month 11 once on a four-year deal. Now, logically, if we stay in long, we make more money. So I said to him, great, not going to hold them up. We called the seller and say, look, came across some money or we may be actually selling the property. If we were to, and if we were to cash you out three years earlier than you expected, what's the lowest you could take? And every single time they answer with a lower number, every time. I had a recent six unit closeout that had a owner financing deal put together on it. I said to him, I know you got 14 months left, Fred, but we can cash this out sooner. What's the lowest you could do if we can pull this off? He came down 12 grand in one conversation. So you're creating these fourth paydays, I call it, on these cash outs on the back end. So on face value, they're good and they can get even better if you're creative and get to know the nuances. Yes, super smart to take a challenge, which could be a, a bad situation for you all and then figure out a way to make it a good situation. And for anyone who agrees to those terms to do a lease option with someone, now we know if we get a call and they say, hey, if I can buy you out early, we say, no, I'm good. I, I, I'd like the same amount or more. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, or more. Then it's like, well, okay, fine. We'll just pay you what we agreed to. Well, you said kind of cool because in my book, I called it the master transaction engineer. But think about it. You've been at this a while. I know a lot of people have a set niche and we do too. But I want to be able to, if a deal comes across my plate, know what the heck to do with it. So whether that's getting rid of it to you or someone else in, the, in a different niche or whether that's me getting creative because I know how to do it, you just want to be trained enough deals, enough times you've seen it where you can pivot and make money out of a deal no matter how it comes to you. How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on? They can just jump onto the site. Nothing tricky. It's smartrealestatecoach.com and there's a free webinar there. If they can stand listening to me for another 60 minutes, it's totally free and I give them all kinds of goodies at the back end. So it's worth the time. And if it's something that resonates, fantastic. And if it's not, keep digging because there's plenty of good people out there. Well, really appreciate you sharing some insight into lease options talking about the case studies with a 10-acre parcel of land where the guy was just debt-free and wanted to leave but wasn't in a financially tight spot, how you structured it, and then also that fourth payday should unexpectedly your tenant buyer want to purchase it early, get approved, then there's a way that you could perhaps position that so that you get paid an additional amount of money. So thanks so much for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you soon.
Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me on again. Do you need debt for your deal, equity for your deal, or maybe a loan guarantor to help you get qualified for the financing? Talk to Mark Belsky. His number is 212-897-9875. That's 212-897-9875. His email is mbelsky at easterneq.com. If you're syndicating deals, I recommend you check out the annual Raising Money Summit in Denver. The two-day event on November 17th and 18th is going to sell out, but you can get your ticket today and you'll save $100. Go to realbluespruce.com forward slash best ever.